Whoops, there goes gravity, and Travis Kelsey has had a bit of a hiccup. What happened? Where is he? And what's this game going to look like possibly without him? We're going to find that out today with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day, especially on this topic. We look forward to you checking out another Lockdown Show. If you're next one, because we're here five days a week for you on every channel, for every team, everywhere, on every platform. So like, sub, hit that bell on YouTube. Hit Spotify, hit Apple, hit every free platform you can for audio, because it's all there. We're brought to you today by Game Time. That Game Time app, go grab it. Create an account and use the code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off of your first purchase. It's last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Guarantees are hard to come by. We're going to cover the run-up to this game with Matt Jarrett from ChiefsDigest.com, our beat porter at large out there on the scene having firsthand knowledge. This is going to get very interesting. Later, we're going to talk about how this Chiefs team can try to stop what's going to happen from the Detroit Lions with Chris Jones out. How do they change their offense? But Travis is the story of the day. Welcome, Matt Derrick. I'm Ryan Tracy from Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com and RGR Football. Matt, this is something that you never expect on a day when the team is practicing basically at a walking pace through a 10-10-10 that really doesn't put a lot of stress on the body to have a hyperextension injury, and that is what we understand it is. How surprising is that for you? Yeah, I mean, th this is certainly a type of practice that you don't normally see injuries. And anybody who has been to training camp and you've, you've seen a 10-10-10 practice, it, it's what Andy Reid calls, you know, you, you are servicing the offense and the defense. Um, there's not contact, there's no pads, anything like that. It's a brisk pace, but like you said, it's not full speed. Uh, it's really, you're just running some of the plays that are in the game plan to, to kind of go through it, get your timing down, all of those things, and just make sure everybody knows their role. I mean, it is a dress rehearsal practice. And so there's no contact. There's nothing, nobody's trying to tackle anybody. There's not nothing that's going on. So yeah, I mean, that to have a play like this, um, I mean, it's a fluke thing. It can happen any time, but you know, it, it, this this wasn't a type of play because Travis Kelsey got hit or anything of that nature. This was just unfortunately, um, either foot goes down the wrong place, it slips, you know, something can give just give way. You never know. Um, it's this this is kind of a bad luck kind of thing, uh, but it's the couldn't couldn't happen at a worse time for the Chiefs because when you're starting to give you 48 hours from game time, you don't have a lot of time for recovery. No, and especially when we've been through this for the last six months since the Super Bowl, the offense flows through Travis, trying to supplement him with this, this slew of wide receivers to try to take up some of the slack. Your number one option has been hurt himself with a knee ailment. Uh, Kadarius Tony uh, out uh, for a prolonged period of time, was back at practice in the last couple of days, uh, was limited, but still there. But that that's a spot where you want to have your prime target ready I think a hyperextension is not something to sneeze at. There, there can be other things. There's an MRI underway as we record this now, folks. We don't have the results of that at this point. But is it safe to say, Matt, that generally, especially with a player of this age, caution is going to win out? We're not going to see Travis Kelsey in the opener on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very unlikely. Now, what I'm hearing is that this is nothing that's supposed to be serious. It's nothing that's expected to keep Travis Kelsey out long term. But you're right. I mean, the number one consideration at a moment like this is that they want to get the swelling out of the knee. And that's going to happen before they, they let Travis Kelsey back onto a field. Can that happen in 48 hours? Pretty tough. I mean, that's something that's just not normal. And you're right. I mean, the, the evaluation is going to be 
you know, for the status of Travis Kelsey for 18 weeks of the regular season and the postseason. And given that, you know, one game is insignificant. Two games might be insignificant in that calculation. So I'm not ruling out that Travis Kelsey couldn't play Thursday night through some stroke of miracle and good fortune that it's just not nearly as bad as anybody thinks and it was suspected at first. Um, but you got to believe that just erring on the side of caution would make it very unlikely that you see Travis Kelsey Thursday night. And I think that's the responsible thing to do because this isn't about this game. This is about this season. Honestly, it's about the next couple of seasons for Travis Kelsey. At his age, anything that is significant can linger through the tail end of what could be a very long and storied career. So I, I think even more caution is probably warranted in that you have to protect Travis from himself in some cases and trying to get back out there too fast. I, I think Rick Burkholder and Andy Reid are a good position to do that. Do you think that there's going to be pressure? And do you think that this is something that they just have to settle him down and say, listen, wait, we're going to be all right without you in the meantime? Well, I'm glad you, you brought that in at the end. You know, just saying that you're going to have to tell Travis Kelsey to settle down because the, I think the only pressure to play Thursday for Travis is going to come from Travis. He's the one that's going to want to play. I mean, look at his history. The last nine seasons, this guy has missed three games. Two of them were season finales that the starters all rested, and the other one he was on COVID reserve. This guy doesn't miss games. Uh, you know, since his rookie season and the microfracture knee surgery, he has been an Ironman. So you know he wants to be out there. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the Chiefs, you know, will need to protect, probably protect him a little bit from himself. He will want to play. But if there's any chance of, of aggravating the injury, making it worse, or injuring something else, then, yeah, I, I mean, it's an easy choice to me. I mean, you shut down Travis. You, you rely on the guys that you have backing him up with Noah Gray, Blake Bell. You've got Matt Bushman that you can activate from the practice squad. I mean, you've, you're carrying seven wide receivers for a reason. I mean, if you're going to go ahead and have a carry an extra receiver on game day and it's a red zone guy like Justin Ross, I mean, there are a lot of different options here that they have. And I, I, I'm, I'm of the philosophy that, no, no, you don't risk a game like this for Travis Kelsey. Um, we'll set aside the fact that I think that the Chiefs can beat the Lions without Travis Kelsey, but uh, that's not going to be part of Andy Reid's or Rick Burkholder's evaluation. There's just going to be straight up, hey, can Travis play and should he play? And my guess is that the answer to at least one of those questions, if not both, will probably be no. And so we'll talk about how the offense shifts here coming up in a little bit, but the spotlight does now turn to both Noah Gray and Blake Bell as probably the primary backups, right? Matt Bushin is likely to get elevated in this case. I do think they probably want to go in with three to Thursday night. Does that track for you as well? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's going to depend on what the game plan and the purpose was going in. I mean, if they expected to play a lot of 12 personnel and that was going to be part of the game plan, I mean, certainly if you're going to have 13 personnel, you're you're probably going to go ahead and definitely bring up Matt Bushman. Um, but you don't want – if you've got a game plan that's pretty heavy on 12 personnel and playing two tight ends a lot, you don't want to go in with only two tight ends and then you lose one during the game and now you've really messed up your game plan. But you can rest assured, I mean, you know, the Andy Reid that we saw today in the in the press conference was an anxious Andy Reid. I mean, he kind of wanted to get out of there, and, and I'm sure that there were probably a couple of reasons. One, he wanted to go back and see how Travis was doing. But the other thing was making, you know, putting, getting, putting together an alternate game plan without Travis Kelsey in it. So I would expect that they would make some, some changes to that. And if that means, you know, just uh, maybe a, a little bit less of, of the tight end heavy offense – 
I could see that being part of the response. Um, and I don't think that if they did activate Matt Bushman, I don't think that necessarily, like I said, precludes them maybe carrying an extra receiver now. Um, you're just going to have to make a, a change elsewhere. You're going to have to lose a, lose a player somewhere else that might otherwise be active. But I think, you know, with a, with a 48 you know, player active roster on game day, I mean, you've got a little bit of wiggle room that you can make that adjustment. So I, I think they can, but I would certainly think that it, you don't replace Travis Kelsey with one guy. You're going to probably have to replace him with two or three guys. I completely agree with you. And it does take a village. That game plan is going to be important. We're going to talk about what the defense does to support them coming up later in the show. And right after we get back here in a second, we are going to look at what that game plan is, what it should be, and how it has to change. But I got to tell you, there are a couple of things you got to take care of first, and I always have to as well. When I'm trying to take care of the people that love me, I try to give them a little bit of help with a nice, clean shave. Doesn't always happen, but when it does, it does help things go down and uh, generally smooths out my weekends. You can get some help right now from Harry's. They can give you a trial set and you can try it out for yourselves. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Right now, they have a great deal for you. You can get a starter set for 13 bucks. It's a $13 value. You can get it for three at harrys.com slash NFL. I think you're going to really dig it because the blades are German engineered, so you know that they're good. It's a weighted handle. It feels good in your hand. It gives you that kind of solid feel about your morning ritual or or whenever you perform that ritual. You get some foam shaving gel as well as a travel color. It all goes together and it stays together so that you know where your kid is. That's sometimes a problem for me when I'm on the road. Schedule, uh, you can schedule all the delivery of the refills and the things for as low as two bucks, half of what you can get other blades for. It makes the whole thing convenient as well as super good. The creams, the washes, the lotions, they're all there to help you stay hydrated and look good. And that's really what some of us need a little bit more than others, especially as uh, the hair starts to go gray. You want to keep that trimmed up. So they're elite. Customer satisfaction is is leading the shaving industry, and you guys want to get in on it. So get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products all together. You can get a $13 starter kit for 3 bucks at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter kit. Go check that out today. I would like to check out Matt's progress because uh, we're all growing beards around here as we, we start to get ready for the winter part of the Chiefs season. But you have to make a shift pretty quick. It's not going to be a gradual fall into fall like maybe we had planned. This injury to Kelsey, I think, as we talked about what might change in the lineups, it's the game plan itself. Because when this happens on a walkthrough day, when the game plan's already installed, you know what you're doing. And in this case, in week one, knowing that you're playing here, you've probably been talking about this for a couple of weeks. So whatever was in there, they have to adapt to. I don't think that you can afford to change the game plan wholesale right now because of the loss of Travis Kelsey. Do you? I mean, you're right. To a large degree, you can't. I mean, you know, you've been working on plays the last three days. You've been working on a game plan. Everything is installed. So to make drastic changes, you know, you're, you would you would end up in running risk of going into a game with doing a lot of stuff that you didn't do during the previous week and isn't rehearsed. And you do that and it leads to mistakes. And it leads to, you know, guys not knowing where they need to be. And with Honestly, I mean, with the Chiefs, you know, starting the season with with a few new faces, especially at wide receiver, um, that to me is a little scary. You know, and you got a couple of two new guys on the offensive line as well. I mean, you've got enough new faces on offense that I think you want to make sure that your week one game plan is locked in. So to me, it, it's probably not about 
abandoning the work that you did during this week. You know, it's it's probably about, you know, the little tweaks that you need to make. And, you know, and some of the things we're talking about, I mean, if if you've got a game plan, you know, you're really just asking Noah Gray to step in and probably do most of the work that Travis Kelsey was doing. Um, now there's going to be a few other things that, like I said, you know, it's maybe it's going to be Blake Bell, you know, sharing some of that. Maybe Matt Bushman gets a few reps, but you know, it's, it's to a degree, it's going to be just everybody stepping up a spot. And that would mean Gray and Bell taking on most of the work. Um, the few tweaks that you might make would be, okay, where are specific packages that we can sneak in with the guys that we can take advantage of? So now maybe you do change a little bit of your red zone or your goal line offenses, Maybe some things you had specifically in there for Travis, you know, now maybe you do put it for a guy like a Justin Ross or Rashad, you know, uh, for Rashid Rice. You take advantage of the skill sets of the guys that you have, put in maybe just one or two little tweaks to the game plan rather than the overhaul. And, and that's something you can do. I mean, you can do that in a, in a you know, the Chiefs will have a walkthrough on Wednesday. So that's normally just your final dress rehearsal. You're buttoning up everything you worked on during the week. But it's not to say that you can't sneak in a, a couple of plays here and there. And remember, I mean, you know, a Chiefs game plan has a few hundred plays and elements built into it. So it's not like the Chiefs are going into this game plan with 60 plays or something like that. And now they got to switch it out and put in 60 more. No, I mean, everything's on the sheet. The guys can run it. You know, Noah can run it. It's just a matter of, you know, can those guys replicate some of the things that Kelsey does? And most importantly, though, is that they can't replicate the improvisation that that Travis Kelsey brings with with Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Um, Noah Gray can do a little bit of that, but not like Travis can. I mean, those two guys are just on, uh, you know, they share a brain sometimes, it seems like, (laughs) about knowing what the other one is thinking. And that's the one thing you miss. I mean, you're going to miss, you know, the opportunity for your tight end, your safety blanket, just uh, your security blanket, your whatever you want to call Travis, of just, you know, being in the right place in the right time because he's so instinctual. You know, you can't expect Noah Gray to do that. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a hard reach. And I do think there are a couple of things that that lend it towards that. Like you said, if, if you're in the red zone and you're looking at trying to do something where the body type is important, where you're shielding, certainly Ross comes into play if he's going to be active. I think this also steps up in some uh, respects for Justin Watson having to play a little bit different. Like we've talked about, he's the one guy that kind of feel like has all three positions and can make the adaptation to running some of the routes that possibly Travis did. I think when it comes to the four vert game and you know they're going to run it, I think Watson might be the leading candidate for some of those route combinations if you can disguise the personnel package. But my question to you comes to Ricky Rasheed Rice because when it looks at all the little drags, all the little things that Travis does underneath, I tend to look at Rasheed Rice as the guy that might be able to take some up, uh, take up some of that slack. Do you agree with that or would you hold off on Rasheed so far? Yeah, and that's the really interesting part of it because, you know, what the way that it's been explained to me and the way the Chiefs have talked about their receivers is that they've got guys who are week in and week out kind of guys. So, you know, Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, uh, right now I'll say Justin Watson. I mean, those are your three guys that right now, you know, have a full game plan. I mean, they, they're expected to be out there for most, if not every snap. They can play every snap. They, they've got, they're in there for every play that's on the play sheet. Kadarius Tony right now, I would imagine, is only a few packages here and there. I mean, they're going to have him on a snap count. I don't think you're going to see him mm-hmm. as probably one of the top three receivers in snaps. I mean, I think they're going to want to ease him in gradually. So he's probably in that category. The rest of that group, and maybe Richie James is the exception. He, he's probably a guy that knows this offense well enough that he can be a backup at a lot of different places. And you may even have a few things in there just for him. 
But specifically with Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, I mean, you get to a point where you can't cater to everybody. You've got only so much bandwidth of practice time and game planning time. So I fully expect that it's going to be usually a one or the other with those guys. Now, if the Chiefs were going into this week with it being a Rasheed Rice game and they've got two or three, you know, packages and they're specifically for him and none that were prepped this week for Justin Ross, they may just decide, you know, we're going to stick with this. I still think there's a chance that, you know, just needing some of that, you may say, oh, what, you know what, here's a few plays that we know that Justin Ross has down that he can do, doesn't need a lot of prep time. You know, there maybe there's some back shoulder things or some jump balls. This is, you know, we can put these little elements in. Ross can do that. And so maybe we're going to need him for a half dozen plays. But that's the way the Chiefs are going to be on most weeks is that, you know, they've got three or four receivers who are every down kind of guys. And the rest of them are, you know, game plan and package specific. And it doesn't mean that every week that they're going to be active. And there's going to be some weeks that they're not part of the game plan. And, you know, not knowing for sure how they were planning on dealing with Detroit, could change that a little bit, but that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, it, it, it could very well be that they decide, you know what, it's just not worth shoehorning in a guy on no notice when they haven't had a chance to practice anything during the week. Am I, am I too optimistic that this might even allow the Chiefs to go a little bit more run heavy and attack what I think is the middle of the defense that Detroit can give up some yardage? Is that a possibility or is that too far gone with where the game plan was prior to this morning's walkthrough? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's that outlandish at all. I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean, we we know Andy Reid's going to run the ball a certain amount. I mean, it's not always going to be a heavy part of the game plan, um, but that's a distinct possibility. And remember, you know, I expected they were going to run a certain amount anyway because against a team like Detroit, and especially with Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, you're going to have to run the ball a little bit to slow him down. I mean, you can't let that guy tee off on Mahomes. So you know, you're going to have to do a little bit of that. And if the Chiefs run the ball effectively early, I mean, they'll stick with it. I mean, it's not a case that I expect that Andy Reid's all of a sudden going to go into a turtle shell and <laughs> run the ball 80% of the time or anything. <laughs> um, but if they have some early success, I don't think they have any problem sticking with it. And, you know, the, really the only part of that to me is, you know, questionable is, you know, how much of that's going to be Isaiah Pacheco, how much is going to be Clyde, how much is going to be McKinnon. I think you will see Pacheco and Clyde doing a little bit of, you know, work share, load share, um, until they get Pacheco fully up to speed. I, I think he'd also be on a little bit of a snap count, but they've got a lot of trust in Clyde, and, and he did the bulk of the work for training camp, so I don't think there's any worries about him there. Yeah, I have to agree. And it's making those adjustments and how the Chiefs are going to have to do it on defense. I'm going to tell you more of the individual matchups here in the next day or two as we get back with Chris and we prepare for Thursday night's game, so be there. But what does the defense do, and how do they take care of it? It's it's one answer, because it's almost here, and if you want to go see it, you can get in, because it's game time. Getting my tickets for Arrowhead is always tough, whether it's pre-planned or last minute, which the way that I work is generally the way that it goes. Last-minute tickets are always a challenge, but particularly when you're coming off of a Super Bowl, they are hard to find. But we have an answer for you. It's flash deals. It's last-minute options. It's easy to find buy tickets anywhere that you want within the stadium as long as they're available. It's game time. And it is the place to get last-minute ticket deals anytime you need to. Forget the planning months in advance. Or if you just didn't think of it ahead of time and you have a last-minute opportunity, go ahead and grab it. Get the deals on the tickets that you need the day of the event even. 
They're flash deals for tickets on not just football, but all kinds of events, including music and other sports, the whole nine yards. The guarantee means that you're always going to get the best price, no matter what. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less, Game Time will give you a credit of up to 110% of the difference. Get those images before you buy the seats so you know where you're going, you know what it looks like, you can get them in a matter of seconds. So check out Game Time. Just download the Game Time app right now, create an account, and use that code LOCKEDONNFL. Get 20 bucks off of your first purchase. Terms apply. And again, go to Game Time, the app, get the account, and use that code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Right now, today, last-minute tickets, the lowest prices, guaranteed. As we are here live and uh, recording this, we have gotten confirmation uh, from a couple of sources out there in the world that uh, it looks like Travis has avoided any injury to the ACL. It's according to Adam Schefter and James Palmer. So we're going to treat that as though that's corroborated information, folks, and uh, breathe a collective sigh of relief. And moving on from that, we're going to take a look at what I thought was going to be the top story today until Travis decided to have a a very unfortunate day out. And that is, what does this Chiefs defense do against an up-and-coming offense that is certainly able to run the ball? And they don't have Chris Jones, their premier defensive threat. Clearly, it's shaking the foundations that we're sitting on that. I was going to say, uh, I guess the number one thing we could say for the game plan is hold on to football because I, I, I just dropped my bottle of water. So... I mean, how do you stop Detroit with no Chris Jones? I mean, that's that's the going to be the key question. And, you know, I mean, I think you can safely say from, you know, having watched these Spagnuolo's defense for the last couple of years, I mean, I think you're going to have to say he's going to go after the quarterback and blitz. Um, I think that's a one reason why we saw a lot of blitzing in the preseason, which normally teams don't do. Um, especially the Chiefs. I mean, they like to play it a little bit more vanilla, um, but it, it was a lot of learning about what some of their personnel could do and and, and who, who were their blessed blitzers and what guys were capable of. And one of the things I think the Chiefs learned is that they've got some guys that can do that. Um, and they spent a lot of time in training camp working on the same thing too. So it was, it's, and you know, with Steve, it's not just one guy. I mean, he wants to be able to bring pressure from unexpected places and keep teams off balance. And and I think that's going to be especially important because Detroit's got a decent offensive line. I mean, you know, their tackles in particular. I mean, we know about Panay Sewell. That's that's mm-hmm. that you know gets lots of attention. I think Taylor Decker is really underrated on the other side. Um, I think he's a lot better than, than certainly the attention that he gets. So there's a couple of decent bookends there, you know, and so it, it's going to be difficult to get pressure off the edges. Now, you know, it's going to be difficult to get pressure on the inside without Chris Jones. So where's it going to come from? I mean, you're going to have to bring guys from different directions. And that's why I'm going to be interested to see in a couple of guys how much they play. And, and Drew Tranquil and Shamari Connor are a couple of those because those are two guys that the, the Chiefs really focused on a lot in their blitz packages. Um, both, you know, probably going to be third down package kind of players. Uh, you know that the Chiefs are not afraid to bring, uh, you know, additional pressure on first and second down as well when needed. But the fact that you've got those two guys in particular, but Trent McDuffie and LeJarius Sneed, um, I think you're probably going to see Leo Chanel with a little bit more blitz, you know, responsibilities this year than last year. You know, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay are got that capability. Um, the Chiefs can truly bring direct, you know, pressure from different directions. And and the first thing we're going to learn is just if they can get pressure with four. If they can, I mean, they're going to be fine. I'm not expecting that to be the case. I mean, I think they're going to struggle with that. But if they can get some pressure and they can get some, if they get some sacks, you know, from some other guys. That's going to be absolutely key in this game because you cannot let Jared Goff just sit back and pick you apart. 
we've seen that that story before. If he gets rolling, this can turn into a shootout, and I don't think the Chiefs want to get into a shootout. I, I don't think so. The NFL might love it in the league office, but we don't want to see it here in Kansas City. And, and my question comes back to Dirk Wharton has been limited all through uh, preseason here. Uh, had a limited practice on Friday. I'm sorry, on Monday. Uh, was full in the walkthrough here on Tuesday, and that's okay. But can we expect much from Turk Wharton in this first ball game? I, I tend to think no, but the, the answers at tackle in particular are very limited. Do you expect that he can play a full game as he sits right now? Yeah, I think that's going to be a big part of the equation is just, you know, how much they do feel comfortable with him. He was a full participant on, on Tuesday, so that was at least a, a step in the right direction, but he was limited um, earlier in the week. So, um, you know, and Wednesday's practice report is going to be an estimation. It won't actually be a, a full practice on Wednesday. So we'll, we'll see where it is there. Um, but no, I mean, I do expect he's going to be on a little bit of a snap count. Then there's the question of uh, Neil Farrell. How much is he going to play if he plays? Because he's brand mm -hmm. new. Um, how much has he picked up in order to be in there in that rotation? I, I mean, that's at least a position where I don't think they're afraid to throw them out there, you know, without a whole lot of prep. And he has had a training camp. So, is uh, you know you know fatigue and, and stamina is not going to be an issue for him. It's just going to be understanding the the, the defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, then you you get into some questions, and um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see if the Chiefs do bring up Matt Dickerson this week. Um, that's a possibility. I think that they could elevate him from the practice squad. We'll see if they bring some numbers up there. They've experimented too with Malik Herring. I mean, that's probably a guy that you'll see a lot more on third downs and inside, but. Um, you know, anybody, I mean, Mike Dana too. I mean, they're, they're not afraid to, to move their defensive ends inside on passing downs and against the lions, almost everything might be a passing down. So maybe we do end up seeing more edge rushers out there than tackles most of the time, especially in the sub packages when they might be taking a tackle off for, for an extra defensive back. Well, that's my actual concern. If it doesn't go that way, if the Chiefs start slow on offense and they're not putting up points. And the Detroit Lions are able to keep Jameer Gibbs in the ballgame, not just as a pass catcher, but as a runner. He's a very, very good weapon, even though a rookie. I, I feel he can have a season very similar, if not surpass Isaiah Pacheco's rookie campaign. That comes down to stopping the run inside. And that, I think, relies on Kendrick Coburn to, to put in some reps. Uh, we know that uh, Farrell's a, a one-tech. You're not going to get a ton of pass rush out of him, same as Derek Naughty. If Turk's not able to go, you got to have a bit of both and a little bit of girth there. Is it Dickerson? Would you think that Danny Sheldon has any chance to come up for this particular game if they do feel the run is going to be exposed? I mean, it's always a possibility. I think there's a, a little bit more likelihood that they elevate Dickerson than Shelton for this one, you know, and it's a possibility that neither one. I mean, that they, they stick with what they've got on the active roster. Um, we will see. But, you know, Gibbs is to me is a real wild card in this one because, you know, I, I was looking earlier at just the numbers for rookie running backs and I, I was blown away at the fact that in the last 10 years, there have only been five running rookie running backs in week one with more than 100 yards rushing. Two of them are Chiefs. The <laughs> top two, Kareem Hunt, Clyde Edwards Hilaire have the top two rushing days in week one in the NFL in the last 10 years. It's really hard to do, um, you know, and some special guys that are up there too. I mean, Saquon Barkley had a big day as a rookie, but I think Ezekiel Elliott's like 20th on the list. I mean, he was like, I think at like 54 yards. I mean, there's no guarantee. And I mean, this is the right time to face the Lions if you're worried about Jameer Gibbs, because he's probably going to be a lot better later in this season than he is right now. Um, the only thing right now is that you don't have a lot of tape to know how the Lions are going to use him. So 
you got to be cognizant of that. But I still think the thing that you have to worry about most is you got to worry about golf and you got to worry about that passing game. And the one thing you have to worry about there is pressure. If you do not get pressure, the Lions can pick you apart. And that's the one thing I think you got to worry about, especially if the if the Chiefs do struggle a little bit and the Lions are able to get into a, some rhythm. I mean, that's I, I I don't think that the Lions are a team that's just going to salt away a lead. I, I think that they they understand the, who the Chiefs are. I think they're going to figure out that if if they if they're if they're getting in a rhythm passing, they're going to have to keep it going. Yeah, agreed. No Jamison Williams for them. No Chris Jones. No Charles and who and now likely no Travis Kelly Kelsey for the Chiefs. How do you see this game going now? Yeah, the Travis Kelsey, you know, issue really throws it into a wrench for me because I I felt like that Chiefs going into this game with the the emotion on their side of of Thursday night and with the the, the banner ceremonies and it's the last you know celebration. I think the crowd's obviously going to be big time into it. And there's no doubt. I mean, Andy Reid's been trying to push this team's button about, you know, making them feel a little bit united and it's them against the world, you know, as far as running it back. I mean, he's he is trying to give these guys an edge. And and I think there's no doubt that they want to come out and prove that on opening night. Um, they want they know the world is watching. These are the moments that this offense and this team lives for. And I think that they they want to prove it. Um, not having Kelsey is, is a blow. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The offense runs through that guy. So I, I had the Chiefs winning 38-17 going into today. Um, losing Kelsey gives me a little bit less confidence on that. So I, I might be talked down to like a 34-24 kind of game, but I still think that the Chiefs win this. And I think they win by double digits. You can see everything Matt has to say over at ChiefsDigest.com, and he'll be back with us post-game because we will be live after a bit following this ballgame. It's going to be a late night for all of us. We appreciate you guys tuning in. You're going to hear my prediction tomorrow. You're going to hear Chris Clark's prediction tomorrow. Be sure to be subbed. Make sure you like, sub, hit that bell on YouTube, and get on the platforms for Spotify and Audible and all the audios. And check out everything at ChiefsDigest.com. Matt, thanks for getting us ready. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Take care, everybody. Pleasure is mine. Thank you, folks. We very much appreciate you. Enjoy your evening today, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.